Mark chapter 13, uh, if you turn to page 872 of your Bibles, and Andrew, you want me to start at verse 20, don't you? So that is what I'll do. Um, So Mark chapter 13, beginning at verse 20, down to verse 37. If the Lord had not cut short those days, no one would survive. But for the sake of the elect whom he has chosen, he has shortened them. At that time, if anyone says to you, look, here is the Messiah, or look, there he is, do not believe it. For false messiahs and false prophets will appear and perform signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. So be on your guard. I have told you everything ahead of time. But in those days following that distress, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light, the stars will fall from the sky and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, people will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory, and he will send his angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of the heavens. Now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see these things happening, you know that it is near, right at the door. Truly I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. But about the day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on your guard, be alert. You do not know when that time will come. It's like a man going away. He leaves his house and puts his servants in charge, each with their assigned task, and tells the one at the door to keep watch. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back, whether in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows or at dawn. If he comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping." What I say to you, I say to everyone, watch. The second reading comes from 1 Thessalonians 4.13 to 18, and that's on page 1019 of the Bibles and the Pews. Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death, so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind, who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. This is the word of the Lord. Well, on Friday, I was sitting down at my desk in Kirrilly, preparing this sermon And I kept getting distracted by this loud voice yelling out on the main street of Kiribati. The yelling went on and on and on for about an hour until I walked out uh, 
side through Kirribilli, and I saw a lady there on the corner with a bright red shirt on, and written on the shirt in big capital letters were the words, Eternity is coming. Where will you spend it? I thought, well, this is convenient. I'm preparing a sermon on the last days. Thank you, Lord. Uh, and I noticed, you know, watching her, she was, she was not only wearing the shirt, she was yelling out about the fact that Jesus is coming back. The world's going to end. Repent. Believe the good news. She was shouting it, screaming it. And it was interesting watching the reactions of people around me. Uh, two people, uh, they were friends, they were laughing at her. There was one man who walked past her and hurled abuse at her and yelled at her. And it's interesting, I think, when we think about this topic of the end of the world and the last days, that's what we tend to think of, that the people who, who talk about these things, obsess about these things and are loonies. And look, I mean, this lady, her approach, her method of communication, I'm not a huge fan of, if I'm going to be honest, but... At least she was thinking about it. At least she was thinking about it. Most of us are so consumed by the here and now, aren't we? Most of us are consumed by the daily grind of our jobs, by the uh, hard work caring for our kids, or looking after our elderly parents, or whatever it might be. We don't have time to stop and think about big topics like the end of the world. Or we're just distracted. We live in the age of distraction with mobile phones and Netflix. We don't have time to stop and ponder the big questions of life. Plus, we live the good life, don't we? I mean, the quality of life that we live is better than our grandparents' generation could ever have dreamed of. It really is. Why do we need to think about the future when we've got it so good now. Well, we do need to think about the future. We do need to think about these kinds of questions. Two reasons why. Firstly, it gives us hope. It gives us hope. When you have a great future to look forward to, it gives you hope. There's been studies of uh, the inmates in concentration camps in World War II. And the historians have looked at it, and the ones that had hope that the war would one day end, that they'd be let free, they were far more likely to survive. The ones that gave up hope, that thought, I'm never going to get out of here, were far more likely to die. That's what hope does. It carries you through. It helps you persevere. We need hope. After all, think about our world. It's a pretty hopeless world sometimes. I mean, even just... This year, war in Ukraine and, and COVID and floods, and we need hope. The other reason why we need to think about this topic is that when we know our future, it shapes the way we live in the present. When we know our future, when we know where things are heading, it shapes the way we live in the present. Last week, I was going to take the rubbish out. I was carrying the bins out the front door. And look, I've got to confess, sometimes I'm a bit careless and I put things in the wrong bins, okay? And Christine, my wife, she yelled at me as I was walking out. She said, make sure you put the things in the right bins. Do it for the sake of our kids and the world they're going to live in. 
She's right. She's right. I mean, it's hard for me to think about and process, okay, what's the world my kids are going to live in in 50 years' time? But she's right. If I know the future, it should shape the decisions I make in the here and now. That's what the future does for us. And throughout this series, we're going to be exploring how the future that God has for us shapes our life today. That's why we're going to be spending the next five weeks looking at this topic. This, the, the, the Bible nerd word for it is eschatology, study of the end times, study of the last days. And can I say over the next five weeks, there's going to be so many questions that are going to come up that I'm probably not going to be able to deal with as well as we'd like on a Sunday. And so um, a bunch of us pastors, we're getting together to do some bonus podcast episodes on our sermon podcast. We're going to try and deal with some of your questions. Just go to thebridgechurch.org.au forward slash questions, and you can put in any questions you've got. We'll do our very best to try and deal with some of those that come up over the next few weeks. But as we begin this series, we've got to begin in the most important place. The most important thing when it comes to our future is the return of Jesus the return of Jesus. Christians throughout the centuries and throughout the world disagree on some of the, the details. When will Jesus return? What will it look like? What will be the precise order? But every Christian agrees that Jesus will return. He has come and he will come again. We live life now in between the two comings of Christ. He came and he will come again. And that's what our hope is built on. Now, if you're here this afternoon and you're not a believer, you might think, well, what kind of wishful thinking is that? That Jesus is going to come back. I mean, and you need to know that our belief that Jesus is going to come back is grounded on the fact that we're convinced that Jesus is God and rose again from the dead. If you've never explored for yourself the historical basis for Jesus' resurrection from the dead, can I encourage you to do that? I find it persuasive. Because we're convinced of that, we're convinced that he will come again. That Jesus is going to return. So what will it be like? What will it be like? When Jesus returns, firstly, it will be unexpected. It will be unexpected. Some of you might remember back in 2011, there was a man called Harold Camping. He was on the news quite often because Harold Camping in 2011 predicted that in May that year, Jesus would return. And in October, actually on my birthday in October, the world would end. That was 2011. The funny thing is he had a go at predicting it before and he got it wrong. But anyway, he gave it another shot. And, you know, most Christians around the world, of course, didn't roll with, them, roll with him. But a lot did. People sold their homes and gave the money to pay for billboards that were around the world advertising those dates, the end of the world. People took their kids out of school. People uh, quit their jobs and prepared for that day. You kind of think... Did that guy ever read the Bible? <laughs> Listen to this. This is on the screen, 1 Thessalonians 5. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 5. It says this, Now, brothers and sisters, about times and dates, we do not need to write to you, for you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a 
thief in the night. A thief doesn't give you warning. They don't call you and say, hey, I was planning to break into your home. When's a convenient time for you? That's not how it works. It's a surprise. And that's the same with the return of Jesus. When it comes to the return of Jesus, we are on the welcoming committee, not on the planning committee. We're on the welcoming committee. We're not on the planning committee. What we do know is that it will be soon. It will be soon. Revelation 22 says, Jesus says, yes, I am coming soon. I used to have a hard copy calendar. Some of you probably still do up on the wall. And you write down on all the days all the different things that you're going to be doing in that given month. But there are some things that are so important that you underline them and highlight them and star them. Maybe a wedding anniversary or a birthday that you really shouldn't forget. On God's calendar, he's got stuff on every day. He's pretty busy. He's running the world. But there's only one thing on his calendar that is circled and highlighted and starred. In his, in his big you know, to-do list, there's one big thing left, the return of Jesus. In salvation history, that's the next big thing. And it is coming soon. It is coming soon. It is nearer now than when we first believed, the Apostle Paul says. Do you believe that? It may feel like, gee, it's been a long time. Well, as the Bible says with the Lord, a thousand years is like a day. A day is like a thousand years. He's coming soon. And so we're to stay alert Stay alert. Just like you, if you remember back when you were a kid and it was the night before Christmas and you'd be awake, alert, listening for sounds of Santa. We're called to stay alert because Jesus is coming back. We don't want to be found sleeping. Mark chapter 13, it's up on the screen. It was part of our reading before. Jesus says, be on guard, be alert. You do not know when that time will come. Verse 35, therefore keep watch. Let me ask you, when Jesus comes back, what kind of life will he find you living? Will you be distracted by the here and now? Will you be spiritually sleepy? Will you be messing about in sin? Or will he find you when he returns alert and passionately and faithfully living for him? When Jesus comes back, it will be a great day, and so we must be ready. And we must tell people. I mean, the fact that Jesus is coming back soon means there's a small window now when people can turn to him, put their trust in him, and be forgiven. 2 Peter chapter 3 says that the Lord's patience means salvation. The reason God is waiting is that as many people as possible can trust in Jesus and be saved. And so in this window now, we've got to share the love of Christ with our friends, with our family, with the world that needs to hear it. Jesus is coming. It will be unexpected. Number two, when Jesus returns, it will be visible. It will be visible. It is not like Jesus might have already come back and we didn't notice and he's hiding up there and 
neutral bay woolies, and if we just managed to find him, all done. People claim that Jesus might have come back and we didn't realise it's heresy. You know, if Jesus comes back, you will know about it. You're not going to be saying, oh, really, Jesus came back? I missed it. Picks or it didn't happen. You will know. His first coming was humble in a manger. His second coming, everyone will know about it. Look at Mark 13 on the screen. Mark 13, 26. It says this, At that time, people will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. Great power. Great glory. That will be the day. Can you imagine it? One writer says this, His appearing will cause wonder and wailing, awe and dread, rejoicing and writhing. Everyone will see it and everyone will be blown away. Revelation chapter 1 verse 7, look, he is coming on the clouds and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him and all peoples on earth will mourn because of him. It will be a glorious day, won't it? Seeing Jesus return, we will fall on our feet in awe, in worship. It'll be unexpected. It'll be visible, number three. Jesus' return will be personal. It'll be personal. We're not talking about some abstract concept here, Jesus returning, when's it going to happen, how interesting. We're talking about something deeply personal. Because when he returns, if you're a believer in the room, he's returning for you. He's returning for you. He's returning to save you, to gather you to himself. And you will be face to face with your saviour. Isn't that what you long for? On the screen is a part from our second passage, 1 Thessalonians 4. It says, for the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Now, that's talking about those Christians who have already died. They're not going to miss out when Jesus returns. They will rise first. Verse 17, after that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Now, that kind of sounds like we're, you know, we meet Jesus in the air and then we rocket ship up into heaven. Actually, what Christian thought is on this is that we meet Jesus in the air and we are actually, it's, we're like his welcoming party. We then accompany him to earth. This is where he's going to reign. This is where he's going to create the new creation and rule. And I want you to focus on that last sentence there. We will be with the Lord forever. There's all kinds of theories about what the return of Jesus is going to look like. And, of course, we, we, we don't know. But what we do know is it will be personal. We will be with Jesus. No more death. No more suffering. No more crying. No more pain. Face to face with Jesus. One of my old Ministers, he used to say this thing that really challenged me. He used to say, do you ever say to yourself, Jesus, I really want you to come back, 
but would you wait until dot, dot, dot? Jesus, I really, want to wait, really can't wait for you to come back, but I have a trip to uh, the Europe planned, and so if you could kind of just delay it till after that, that'd be great. Jesus, I really want you to come back, but I'd love to get married and have some kids first. Can you delay it till after that? <laughs> we all do it, don't we? But the challenge is that when we do that, we're saying that we desire those things more than being in the presence of Jesus. Is that what your heart longs for? To be face to face with our Saviour. The Apostle Paul in Philippians 3 talks about eagerly awaiting our Saviour returning from heaven. Now, as we're going to see in a few weeks' time, the day that Jesus returns for many people will be an awful day. We're going to look at that in a few weeks, and it's going to be a heavy sermon. But for those who follow Jesus, the day that he returns will be the best day. We will be personally gathered to Christ and be face-to-face with him, our friend. Lastly, when Jesus returns, it will be victorious. It'll be victorious. Because when he comes back, he will be conquering his enemies once and for all. Death conquered. Sin conquered. The devil conquered. Jesus is coming to rule as king of kings, Lord of lords for all eternity. He will be arriving. The trumpet's sounding. He's arriving like a royal arrival when Jesus comes back. Listen to this quote. This is from Queen Victoria. This is what the Queen Queen Victoria said. Oh, how I wish that the Lord would come during my lifetime. I would so love to lay my crown at his feet. Isn't that a great line? I'd so love to lay my crown at his feet. That would be a great day. The victorious King of Kings, Lord of Lords, Jesus Christ, and we will kneel down and worship him and lay all our crowns, our earthly crowns, at his glorious feet. Unexpected, it's coming soon. Visible and glorious, you won't miss it. Personal, face-to-face with your saviour. And victorious. Over the next four or so weeks, we're going to be exploring what Jesus' return means for our life and the day-to-day. But I hope you see, first and foremost, it gives us hope. It gives us hope. In our passage before 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 13, it's on the screen. The Apostle Paul said, Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death, so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For the average person who believes that life ends with death, there's no hope beyond death. It's hopeless. But because Jesus is returning, death is not the end. 
We have hope. In 1952, Florence Chadwick was swimming across the Catalina Channel in the west coast of America. It was a long swim, and it was a hard swim. She faced sharks, she faced freezing waters, and on this particular day, there was a huge blanket of fog. She couldn't see anywhere she was going. And she actually quit when she was only a few kilometres from the shore. This is what she said after she quit. She was interviewed. She said, look, I'm not excusing myself, but if I could have seen the land, I know I could have made it. And two months later, she reattempted the swim and she made it because she could see it was a crystal clear day. See, when you know the future, when you know where things are heading, it gives you hope. It helps you press on through the trials of life. (laughs) And can I say, if you're here this afternoon, you're not a Christian, would you trust in Jesus? Would you explore who he is? Would you read the Bible for yourself? Would you get answers to your questions? I truly believe that Jesus is the hope of the world and he is coming back. My prayer is that you turn to him before it is too late. The hope is certain. Often we use the word hope as wishful thinking. I hope Andrew stops talking soon. That's wishful thinking. (laughs) This is certain hope in the Bible. Something we can build our life on. That's why I love the way Paul ends that section. In, In verse 18, it's on the screen, he says, therefore encourage one another with these words. He's just talked about Jesus returning, and he says, encourage one another with these words. Do you encourage each other? Jesus is returning. Do you spur each other on in the church? When you're talking to a believer who's struggling, who's grieving, whatever it might be, I think one of the most helpful things you can do is pray with them and and help them fix their eyes on Jesus' return, for he is coming back. 4pm, he could come back this year. Do you believe that? He could come back today. And so the longing of our heart needs to be that prayer of the Bible. Come, Lord Jesus, come. I want to finish with a song that I read this week. It was written in 1912 by a lady called Layla Morris. Here's how it goes. Jesus is coming to earth today. Sorry, let me start again. Jesus is coming to earth again. What if it were today? Coming in power to love and reign. What if it were today? Coming to claim his chosen bride all the redeemed and purified, over this whole earth scattered wide, what if it were today? Satan's dominion will then be over. Oh, that it were today. Sorrow and sighing shall be no more. Oh, that it were today. Then shall the dead in Christ arise, caught up to meet him in the skies. When shall these glories meet our eyes? What if it were today? Would he find us here faithful and true if he should come today? 
watching in gladness and not in fear, if he should come today, signs of his coming multiply. Morning light breaks in the eastern sky. Watch, for the time is drawing high. What if it were today? Let's pray together. Father, we pray and plead. Would you send Jesus back soon? Come, Lord Jesus, come. Come and bring us to paradise. Bring us into your presence. Remove the pain, the suffering, the brokenness, the injustice of this world. Make all things new. We thank you for this glorious hope. Would you help us to press on to the end, to share the love of Jesus to the end, and to live faithfully as we wait for that glorious day. Come, Lord Jesus, come, we pray. Amen.